Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes in the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Hello. It is episode 101. Uh, today is October 23rd, and the episode title is I've Got the Lovely Bunch of Magic Cards. Tiddly <laughs> Um, I will explain that title in just a second. Uh, but sitting in for Rose. Exactly. Um, so first up, we're going to go ahead and turn our eyes to the community as we normally do when there are things to community about. Um, on, I think we'll start with the, uh, the negative news first. Um, sure. Uh, there was a very high profile, um, content creator, Todd Stevens, who, um, Hipsters of the Coast published an article over the weekend, um, with multiple, um, basically saying that there are multiple allegations of sexual harassment against Todd. Um, and because of this, he's been removed from the Star, his Star City Games publishing gig. He's been removed from his sponsorship by uh, BCW, which is a magic well, the, uh, the accessory team. creator. The, 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 t- the team BCW as well, yeah. um, which sponsors a lot of other uh, SCG pros. Um, and after reading the Reddit thread a couple times, there's been some stories that have come up through it. Uh, it turns out that almost all of these stories come from uh, basically magic after parties where people go out and they have drinks and Todd overstepped some bound- boundaries in there. And... Um, to be fair, we also have to say that so far these are strictly just allegations so far. Yeah. That nothing has actually, you know, officially been proven. However, uh, due to uh, actually Star City Games today made a, their comment basically like we have ended our, you know, relationship business side with him. We can't state further because of there's laws regarding yeah. them being able to make statements until like actual stuff comes out. But the guys over Rich, the prison CEO slash head editor at Hipsters of the Coast, wrote a response article because they've gotten some, you know, messages saying, hey, why would you do this? We, you know, the good old, the quote basically is ethics and journalism kind of thing. Yeah. And he's like, look, we did practice this. We made sure, like, I to the phrase he uses, you have one person on one hand telling you it's sunny out, one person telling you it's raining stick your head outside and see what it is. So they did that. They did their due diligence. He greenlit it after they did the prerequisite amount. He felt of due diligence to research the story, verify sources. And they're keeping their sources under wraps like any good reporter should. Um, And keeping them confidential. So I trust the very, um, trust the article. If this is what, if the, and, to be fair, a lot of people who the silence, not say silence is deafening, but the people who kind of like really, yep, heard some of that before um, seemed, you know, kind of like one of those, it was known, but never said, and it finally came out. So, yeah. Uh, and I mean, if that's what happens, it's what happens. So yeah. just remember, people are watching your actions wherever you are. Yeah. And uh, don't, don't be a jerkwad. Yeah. Basically. Don't. Don't be a wing rod. That's it. Um, that's it. On to the positive news. Uh, this weekend, we have two Grand Prix. We have Grand Prix New Jersey and Grand Prix Lille, uh, which are uh, both the standard format. This is the first major standard event since Gills Ravnica has been printed. First major um, GP. And first major GPs in, in standard since, since Gills Ravnica. I'm saying because there were some stuff for SCG that's had standard events. Yeah, so. there's been the SCG events, but there, SCG hasn't had a standard open. They've had a team open, but... Team opens don't really necessarily tell I you know, what the best standard deck is. I know, it's weird and funky. Plus, they've had some classics and whatever. And yeah. they've had some mocks. But standard appears to be in a really good place. Um, it turns, it looks like it's going to be a fight between the mono-red and green-white aggro decks with the black-green uh, mid-range decks and then the blue base control decks, whether you're it's Esper, Jeskai, or uh, blue-red deck. Also, uh, for example, is uh, it spells? Levels. Yeah, is it spells? Uh, there's actually is a control deck that 5 0 a league recently, um, and uh, local player Mason Clark here uh took it to a undefeated finish at a pptq so there there are some legs to this this blue red creatureless control deck at main deck and then sideboard plays two niv mizzets and like a place of the goblin electromancers honestly i also if you're looking for a budget option there is an affectionately named i guess per uh twitter called the mono blue shitters yep. <laughs> aka mono blue tempo slash aggro that's which just a I bunch saw of, a Reddit thread of someone winning it with which which has a singles price tag of fifty nine dollars. Yeah, uh, looking at the current price on MTG Goldfish right now, it's you're looking at under seventy dollars. 
for the entire deck if you have to purchase it straight up. Yep. Um, and it's I got, was Curious it's Obsession, a $4 card. Jesus. Anyway. Yeah, uh, curious Obsession is very powerful. Well, like a playset of it's going to run you like $14. That's insane. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure I have a whole playset of them just lying around my house. Uh, <laughs> that's one thing we're going to get to today. But online, it's $15. Yep. Like it's, you can buy online and in paper for under hundred dollars. It's also uh, everywhere on a Magic Arena because it's a very easy to get deck to put together because it's mostly commons and uncommons. Only a handful of rares. Tempest like the Gen. big rare is Tempest Gen. Sometimes you'll see Warkite Marauders. Um, Jace Cunning like, Castaway in the sideboard for Mythics. Yeah, it's it's a very sleek deck that is that it just wins. It's it's a very much a delver style strategy you play a one drop you play a two drop you play a couple them. one or two drops you have wizard's retort which to be fair with funnily enough a, a decent number of cards in this deck are straight up just wizards anyway so you're going to yeah. get to, to play blue, blue also spell. annoying yeah there's it's it's just basically designed to stick a bunch of small things get a bunch of card draw going with curious obsession and just making sure your opponent doesn't have a board state yep it's these um if you want to give it a shot, your FNM, go for it. Yeah, so. it's very easy to assemble. Maybe not necessarily by card availability wise, but it's it's fairly cheap to assemble. Uh, now next week is uh, Grand Prix Atlanta, which is modern, and uh, I will be there hey. as well as to my other uh, Nashville friends. We, we've all got a huge B and B that we're all renting out, um, and yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna be storming it up down there. Spoiler alert. Um, and also, recently, I was testing Firemise Research in Storm, but I think that that's a bad decision, considering how popular Dredge is right now. So, back to Thing in the Ice it goes. Very true. Very true. Um, so, if you see me out in Atlanta, don't don't hesitate to say hi. Um, I'll be playing in the main event, and then I don't know what's going to be happening on Sunday. But we'll see. Hopefully, I make day two. My goal is to leave with more pro points than I entered with. <laughs> well, here's the hope that you're able to get there to be fair i have zero pro points so any amount of pro points is more than i entered with so i mean to be fair <laughs> if, if you leave with more pro points than you started with you've gotten pro points yeah that's fair <laughs> anyways <laughs> let's explain the episode title now all right uh, so um after episode 100 we got a email um to our email which is at which is eyes of the mice at gmail.com uh from a listener Corey. Uh, and he wrote, uh, could you do a segment on how you like to organize your cards? I've watched videos on YouTube about this, and no one seems to make the distinction between sorting cards for deck building and storing cards for collections and selling stuff. Some people like to store their cards by set number, but for the deck builder, the cards could, should be sorted by CMC, I believe. Also, I have a new player came in around M19, and I like to establish good habits early on. For example, do you sleeve uncommons? I, leave my, I keep my comments unsleeved because they are practically worthless, but are uncommons worthy of keeping in perfect fit sleeves? In the storage box, should I store them just like commons? What do you do? What do you recommend? Thanks. So basically, a we're just lot, gonna use this. a lot to unpack there. Yeah, but the the basic question from Corey is kind of just like, how do you store your collection? What are some good habits to get into when you are storing your magic cards? Because eventually, you'll get to the point where you'll look at your living space and be like, Oh no, Damn, I have a lot of magic cards. <laughs> Or like you, you, the never-ending fight of, hey, I finally got all my cards stored away, and then pre-release happens, and oops, I've got six piles of random commons and uncommons lying around my desk. Uh-oh. Yeah. That's, yeah. hi, that's actually me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently, within my viewpoint, I see four deck boxes, three fat packs, and a booster box that's full of cards. And a are... partridge in a pear tree. It's true. I, I actually have my my closet open right now and i'm sitting in my office and inside said closet is where all my cards are stored so i literally sell my cards basically yeah. for where i'm sitting i can see 98 percent of the magic cards that i own granted the vast majority of the magic cards that i that i have that are actually sorted are sitting behind me currently in my closet uh, but we'll i'm get looking to, to the side and behind me okay i have to admit <laughs> But it, regardless, you know, storing a collection once you have more than just a deck, or if you've been if you are a huge draft player and you just draft a bunch, you're gonna end up with just what people call the what's the word I'm looking for, the draft chaff. You're gonna end up with a lot of cards. The bulk. Figuring out the bulk, figuring out what to do with those is 
is the eternal question of magic players. So, and I'll also say this too: um, there's actually no real wrong answer to this question. I say this with a question lilt in my voice because unless you're literally just storing your cards as coasters, looking at you, old school community who likes to do this stuff, you're weird. I don't know what you're doing, but you know, keep at it. Just look on Twitter. There's they'll, they'll use like old school cards as coasters. I don't know why. It's just yeah. something they do. They're a weird. We're, they're a weird but cool bunch. Um, yeah. No, basically, you can't really go wrong. However, you want to organize things because it's your collection. If it means, basically, just to start off the bat, organize it in a way that works for you in terms of how your own mind works. Because everybody's story, like everybody's way of cataloging things is going to be slightly different. Yeah, there's always a method to your madness. And what may work for some people won't work for other people. You can always follow the system that stores do where you kind of just sort them by set. And then when you sort them by like collector number, so you can always find them easily. Uh, but it all it just depends on what your personal preference is. So we're we actually um, going to, we're going to talk about like how we like just sort the cards yeah. like that. Okay. So yeah. um, me personally, uh, when I have tried strong emphasis on tried, I will actually, it's on my to-do list for one of my upcoming long weekends that I have. Cause we're hitting the holiday season. So I have plenty of time on weekends to just sit around. Um, I didn't actually put this in the show notes, but we're going to be mentioning a bunch of lots of prefaces from here. From this point on, we're going to be mentioning a bunch of businesses and companies that create products. We are not sponsored by any of these companies. We just, whatever we own, this is because we have felt this is what we like to buy. And this is what works for us. So yeah. I need at, to pick. At, at time of recording, yes. we are not being paid by anyone to talk about their products. Correct. This is strictly just us and what I have bought and what John has bought. Now, yeah. we mentioned BCW at the beginning of the show. They actually do a good job with a lot of things. One of the things they have is a like card sorter tray. Yeah. And this card sorter tray, we're going to have links to some of this stuff. It's, I want to say, like five by five eight or five by five or something like that and it's just kind of like slots where you can card sorting tray it is five by four and eh, i was close enough with yeah. a couple of side things but anyway it's kind of set up where you can set up a bunch of different rows and stuff like that so you're not making piles it's more organized like the piles will kind of be slanted at you i need to get some yeah. of these to start sorting some of my cards now i i have seen these before i thought they were only like um like display cases essentially for um for stores so they can be yeah but you can also use them i've seen them used as a way to sort your cards because it's a yeah. great way to kind of be like okay comments in this row uncommons this row rares in this row set by column kind of thing like yeah. that um especially if because like a bunch of my boxes will have like four or five sets worth of things and there's four rows so i can go common uncommon rare mythic yeah. sort by row granted the rares and mythics are probably another thing but anyway getting ahead of myself here i personally turn my cards upside down when sorting them and sort by common uncommon straight up just leave commons uncommons to the side the reason i flip them upside down is i'm right-handed and the way if you're flipping through cards you know like spreading them out and kind of like flip 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 with your hand you're only going to see the left hand sides of the cards where the set symbols on the right so if you flip it upside down and you're sorting that way you'll be able to see all the set symbols and it makes it way easier to sort those kind of like colorized things that's also a method that a lot of stores use yeah that's that's where I, yeah, that's where i picked it up from is a bunch some people of will get distracted by the art or the names or whatever and that this way you're looking at the bottom of the card and you'll just see like set symbol um so for example i have my storm sideboard in my hand so if i wanted to sort by set i have dark steel shadows shadows time spiral our time spiral revised yeah so and again this will only work for cards basically exodus forward yeah so since you started in m19 you don't have to worry about that your stuff will have the uh colored the set symbols yeah the appropriate colored set symbols now from there you can decide okay commons uncommons sort by set sort by collector number um Usually when you sort by collector number, you're also technically sorting by alphabetically and by color at the same time. I like to sort me personally by common, commonality in a set by color. 
going by collector number. Now, collector numbers I think change color wise, or no? It's always does it always start Wooberg order? It, it, it's it's always Wooberg. It's okay. white, blue. It's it, so te- okay. So technically, it's colorless because uh, card zero zero one from Dominaria is Karn Scion of Urza. Um, then it's white, blue, black, red, green. Then it's multicolor, followed by hybrid, followed by artifacts, followed by lands. Yeah. So I like to sort by that. So I'll start collector number by commonality. So all my white commons, then will be followed by my white uncommons. Then will be followed by my blue commons, my blue uncommons. The reason why I do that is my rares kind of go in their own separate box. Um, That's how I just do it. Um, I have the... So the reason why I do that is because stores will sometimes go... If you want to sell off your cards and you have a lot, like we say you get bulk to the degree where they'll usually pay five cents per common, like after like a couple hundred, certain stores buy lists will mention how it is. It's easier to sell it at an event in person than sending it because otherwise you're sending like a couple pounds worth of cards. And at that point, shipping's expensive. Yeah. What, yeah, what you're sending out might actually cost you more to ship it than what you'd get, which is, you know, you, you're break even at that point, which is not great. Uh, there's other things you can do with your commons too, like donating them to charities. Uh, I know there's a bunch of like schools, after school programs that do like the learn to play magic thing that just love getting your random commons and uncommons and occasionally jank rares. Yep. Um, but yeah, sorting it, basically, I don't know about you, John, but like I said, I just sort by that commonality per set based off of uh, collector number. So whenever I sort, um, I also keep my rares and mythics in a separate sorting mechanism. But for my commons and uncommons, I almost always sort them just by collector number. I don't care that the uncommons get mixed in with the commons um, because it's more important to me to be able to flip through it and be able to go, okay, I need to find Inescapable Blaze. It's a red uncommon from Guilds of Ravnica. It's an I, so I should be finding it after the H's as an example. Um, which is actually one that I did recently. Hmm. So that way it's just easier for me. So like I have a box that's a thousand count box, I believe, for my guilds of Ravnica commons and uncommons. Um, and that's where they all are. And yeah, we're, uh, actually, we're gonna and we're also gonna talk a little bit after this. We're just talking about how we sort right now. We're gonna talk about yeah. different methods of of storage in a little bit. So yeah. don't and worry, then, don't uh, worry, Corey, if you're listening to this, we yeah. got you covered eventually. Yeah, and then uh, for my rares, um, I don't know about you, but I keep my I like to keep my rares in a binder uh, when at all possible. Um, I do have a box that's full of just random stuff where I have it sorted alphabetically. Like I have a colorless section that's alphabetical. I have a white section that's alphabetical that's mixed in rares and uncommons. Uh, like every every rarity is mixed in this in this much larger box. Uh, but like I have a binder for all of my Battle for Zendikar rares. I have a binder for all my Shadows over Innistrad rares. I have a binder for all my Kaladesh rares. I have a binder for all my Guilds of Ravnica rares. You have a lot and of binders. Th- yeah, I do have a lot of binders. Jeez. And in those, they're sorted alphabetically. Okay. So they're and they're sort of they're sorted. And we'll get to the we'll get to which binders I use in a minute. Um, but that's how I have those sorted. Yeah. So I used to have when I first started. So this is probably kind of around where you are. In terms of playing wise, Corey, uh, to answer your question is I used a very old, or at the time, it's now very old. Um, it was a pro binder from Ultra Pro with like the, the kind of just the plastic outside on it, three by three, uh, standard kind of you know, cheap binder, or whatever, like that. And I did the all my white rares, all my blue rares, you know, just did Wooberg order for all my rares. And then find that when I get more rares, I wanted them sorted alphabetically and I'd have to move a whole bunch of them around. And I'm like, oh, this is just a pain. And then I was trying to clean out binders, sell, sell a bunch of stuff. So I ripped everything out of the binder and just put it all into a fat fat pack. And I haven't quite sorted them back out into binders yet. But the the giant collection sorting will happen soon. And when I do that, I'm probably going to be sorting rares that are over a certain dollar value into binders. Yeah, and then anything that's not is going to be just stored in a uh, fat pack box or something like that, or a eight hundred count long box, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. Um, so basically, store them, store the lower dollar value rares off to the side. The more expensive ones will get displayed appropriately, I guess. Um, so I guess that's good for in terms of sorting wise. That yeah. you got anything else on that? 
No, I think that okay. takes it. Just it just really depends on your personal preference and what works for you. Because however we do it may not work for you. Correct. Like you see, or even there, John uses a ton of binders. Me, I'd be like, that's way too many binders. So <laughs> I'm. They're all different colors. Well, that's fair. No, I'm just like I'm not. <laughs> hey, I'm not knocking how you sort no, your I stuff. Know. Whatever works. Yeah. Uh, but so we're going to move on to protecting our cards uh, with binders. Binders are a great way to do it. Now, you mentioned in the question that perfect fit sleeves, which are a great the the traditional perfect fit fit was the old KMCs, which still exist, but a lot of other companies. I know Dragon Shield has gotten into them. Ultra Ultimate Guard's gotten into it. I don't. I will say one of my favorite. I don't know if Ultra. Right. I don't know if Ultra Pro has started making. Ultra Pro, Ultra Pro has a perfect fits. Okay. Yeah. My, no, I will say my favorite uh, perfect fits right now are the Dragon Shield Smokes, where they have a tinted back to the sleeve, um, which are great if you have double face cards. Funny you should, you, yeah, funny you should mention you, those. Yeah, and um, and they make your if you have a lighter colored sleeve, like a white sleeve or or, or like an orange sleeve, where sometimes the back card, the back of the card will be visible through them. Um, they're great at making it more opaque, so that you, it's not. Um, it's so you don't get a game loss in a tournament. Trust me, that can yeah. happen. Yeah, no, don't do that. Yeah. Um, so I was saying, funny you mention that. You heard, you heard when we were doing like before we started recording, uh, John, me the lot some crinkling. Yeah. Uh, those were actually I actually just received in the mail today uh, two one hundred packs of the Ultimate Guard undercover uh, shaded backsides. I have not tried them yet. I I, I purchased them specifically to test them out. And see how they are because I got some dragon shields that are kind of see-through. Now, if this is a quick little tangent on the card sleeves real quick, especially with dragon shields because they are a very popular brand. Dragon shield is actually designated on their website. There's a couple colors, purple, jet, black, and one other color. I think it's dark, like one of their dark gray, like the silvers. They have four particular sleeve colors. That they have certified said these are opaque enough that you do not need to worry about being able to see through it. Every other single sleeve we make, you might be able to see through it and you might get a game loss at a tournament. They've actually set, stated that on their website and yeah. across various formats where it's like, hey, look, just be be warned. This might happen to you. So that's why my, they uh, sell that. Like as an example, uh, my, my Storm deck is currently sleeved in Dragon Shield Slate, which is kind of an off a more towards black than gray uh, with the matte back finish, which is personal preference. Um, and these are solidly opaque, even though I am using the smoke uh, double sleeves. I think it's, I think slate was the other one. Yeah. Um, but like I've, my previous storm deck was sleeved in uh, orange sleeves and they were a little see-through. And then I had a commander deck sleeved in white sleeves which was see-through. Um, white, like as, white, as in as in with shirts white. and pants and other sorted articles of clothing. You can see through it. Yeah, um, and so it, it, with sleeves like that, when, especially when gameplay is is, in, is something that you're worried about, that is something you kind of have to be concerned about. Yeah. So, um, but so storing wise, um, we we do use perfect. I knew, I use perfect fits a lot. I've probably purchased thousands upon thousands of perfect fit sleeves they're actually relatively inexpensive thankfully yeah um, um if you I get actually, the bulk packs of them yeah i actually don't sleeve my cards when they are in storage uh, i only sleeve them if they are actively in use or about to be actively in use um and this is, like, this, is uh, this is a great point where john and i completely differ in opinion yeah so but um, neither of us are wrong yeah neither of us are wrong it's just your own personal preference um, like we've said, I think probably like 10 times at this point, yeah. but, uh, like as an example in my, uh, Guilds of Ravnica binder, I have two risk factors. I have five copies of Experimental Frenzy. I have a Vraska, I have a Ral, I have a Niv, I have Shocklands, I have a Foil Shockland. Um, none of those are sleeved. They're all just in the binder as is. You monster. Uh, <laughs> uh, I sleeve actually that have foil a, sleeve that Foil Shock. I act, it's just, it's a sacred foundry. It'll be fine. I actually have a, a deck builder's toolkit, which are actually great boxes for holding decks. Um, they actually hold three commander decks pretty nicely. Huh. Um, and uh, I have one of those that is about 60% filled with uh, common and uncommon foils, and those are all unsleeved right now. Huh. Yeah, I know. So it, it, it all depends. Like As far as sleeving when you're storing them, it all, is all the personal preference. Obviously, when gameplay is coming into 
is coming into the equation. Uh, if you're playing with $100 cards, I recommend sleeves. If you're playing with $1,000 cards, I really recommend sleeves. Um, or if you're again, playing, if you're playing just, Dollar General, just, you know, don't yeah. sleeve them up. Use a rubber band and put them into a Ziploc bag. <laughs> no, like, I'm serious. That's what one D or dollar general players do is they just will be like, eh, whatever Ziploc bag. That's my, yeah, that's where yeah. it goes. Um, but they, but they intentionally depends. play with beat up cards, yeah. which is the antithesis to what you want to know about. <laughs> so me exactly. personally, like I mentioned, I buy, I've bought tons and tons and tons and tons of perfect fit sleeves over the day, but I've also used tons and tons and tons of old janky draft sleeves that are too chewed up to really use as a, you know, they've got enough gunk and grime over the years that they'll still protect a card just fine, but shuffle-wise, no-go. Yeah, their shuffle feels bad, or they start sticking together, which is never where you want to be. But they do, inside, protect the card just well enough that you get the assorted, like, okay, let me just unsleeve this deck. Oh, I have 58 sleeves, eh, or I have 30 sleeves somehow. You get those weird, like, numbers where you're just like, this can't sleeve a whole deck but I have a whole bunch of sleeves off to the side you go and I will use them to sleeve my rares and mythic rares if they are not quote unquote worth enough money. Um, yeah. Usually I have a whole bunch of commons and uncommons, rares, foils, mythics, whatever sleeved in perfect fits. If they have, if they have been or could potentially be in the quote unquote maybe board of a deck that I'm playing, like I have two or three deck boxes sitting here uh, perfect one for example so i have a lovely wormwood wood deck box we'll get to deck box in a minute i have a nice one that my fiance Lindsay got me for christmas i have that and it is really really nice but that's where my infect deck goes but if i'm playing modern where do my legacy cards go well a couple years ago i purchased a i guess it was ultimate guard no not ultimate guard ultra pro ultra pro I don't know. Legion? Legion deck box. Yeah, it's Legion Supply. So it was one that Star City Games back when they did GPs was Grand Prix Charlotte 2015. It is of Noble Hierarch. So my Infect yep. cards go in the Noble Hierarch deck box. Maybe board's there. Then I have another one that has like my massive like 100 plus card maybe board for Pauper. I just store them like that way. And the reason why I store them in perfect fits is because I double sleeve even my janky decks. I just like the the knowledge that if I spill water on my cards, they're protected. <laughs> yeah. So, but for me to have to like unsleeve a perfect fit to resleeve a smaller card and then sleeve it back up into another sleeve, so I have to do double the work. So I just leave everything perfect fit if I'm going to play it. I will say that the first time you sleeve a card in a perfect fit and put it into a sleeve, it's always a, a hassle um, because of air pockets <laughs> oh you have to fart the card you have to fart the card yeah yeah uh which is why i really love the side loading perfect fits um that both ultra, that both ultra pro and dragon seal have come out with i honestly have not tried those um now they they aren't as protected as with uh traditional perfect fits um where you know tr- a traditional perfect fit is literally like a sleeve you put it like you put the you put the bottom of the card on the sleeve you slide it down so it's open at the top although you- ideally you're flipping it around so that it's secure on both sides um, whereas the side loaders are literally light loading in from the side. Um, so it's not as protected, but I much prefer to have that as opposed to the, as Ian so eloquently put it, fart the card. I mean, when you push the air out, you're, it's what it's, it's what it sounds like. It's inelegant. I, d- I don't disagree. <laughs> I agree with every word you're saying, but. It's very blunt and to the point. I get it. Yeah. No. Um. So yeah. So how I sleeve, like, and I said, so I do perfect fit sleeve my cards with the intention of putting them into a deck so they do go sleeve opening down onto the card so that way you can put the card itself into the sleeve if that yeah, makes the, sense the professor professor has, has great videos millions for this. of videos on sleeves uh, yeah. i think that's probably the number one videos he has on his channel probably but it's just sleeve reviews and how to sleeve and how to double sleeve and see so, so and yeah but to get back to Corey's question to hammer it down quickly he keeps his comments unsleeved. I do too, except for Pauper, which is corner case. Uncommons, I, I don't sleeve my uncommons with an exception. The exception being the fact that you might not have them yet, Corey. 
but there are some uncommons that are worth eight to ten bucks. Looking at you, remand. <laughs> yeah. So it, it just depends on how you value the monetary value of the card. Yeah. If like I prefer to keep cards that are a couple bucks sleeved. Is it does it make sense cost wise? Eh. I'm probably having way more sleeves than I should. But yeah. my stuff's protected. And another thing you should probably do too with protection protection that we, it's not necessarily sleeving or anything like that. If you find yourself in a client or climate that is considerably humid, I highly, 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 highly recommend silica gel packs. Yeah. To help prevent your cards from warping. Don't don't pay. Well, what was that bid that that was made on the silica it's gel? Ten thousand dollars. It's it's yeah. It's, don't pay ten thousand dollars for silica. It's one notch. <laughs> is what is the joke? His notch. Yes. Before he. Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> um. No. He story desert bus. It was a joke. There was a silica oh, gel. Oh, is happening November eighth, November 9th. Yeah, I was on set when they did. It was a Mass Effect like prize pack that was in a ammo can and it had like two or three packs of silica gel. And someone in chat said, "How much for the silica gel?" And we made it an auction, and it sold yeah. for ten thousand dollars. Became a desert bus meme. Hey. Uh. So yeah, silica gel. There's some reusable ones that are kind of in like metal things. I actually got one of these when I went to Afghanistan. I don't know why. Because Afghanistan is dry. Anyway, it's like a little tiny metal pack about the size of a, you know, a tin of, I don't know, Altoids kind of thing. And you can kind of pop it in the oven to regenerate it after it's absorbed a lot of moisture. It'll, you know, cook the the moisture back out of it and you can reuse them. Or you can just go buy a bulk bunch of those little things. I actually keep a tiny little, like every time I get silica gel, I kind of like throw them into a Ziploc bag. So if I need it for something, I usually keep actually one in my deck box, my wooden deck box where my infect cards go. Cause I have enough room in the top of there. So I usually just chunk a, or you can get a dehumidifier for your room. Yeah. It's more expensive, but if you want to do that, it is more expensive. But... <laughs> if you have the means go for it, but you no, know, yeah. no, if you have a lot of expensive cards, especially foils, however you want to store your foils, I would definitely recommend storing them with, some sort of silica gel yeah. packs prevents curling yeah and once they curl um, it's hard to get them uncurled it basically is, ever. it is very difficult so we've mentioned a lot of like how we do this cards how we organize but what do we we've mentioned a little bit of putting stuff in so let's start with the deck boxes since we've talked about that a bunch yeah uh so deck boxes are basically up to your again personal preference uh, I have used everything from Dex deck boxes to Ultimate Guard deck boxes to the Ultra Pro deck boxes. Uh, I have not gotten to the length of custom deck boxes. Like, I have not gotten a wooden deck box or anything like that. It's so um, choice. It, if you have the I means, I highly you. recommend it. I believe you. Um, Come on, man. It's Ferris Bueller. <laughs> but... For for me, um, like a lot of my storm decks, and after going to GP uh, Orlando back in last January, no, two Januarys ago, uh, when Rivals of Exile was no, when Ether Revolt came out, um, Star City Games was running that GP, and they handed out um, the uh, Ultra Pro deck box or Ultimate Guard deck boxes that are a hundred hundred count. I really like these hundred count deck boxes and ultra pro now makes them as well. And they're very similar. Is it the hard sided uh, ones? The, the softer ones, not the, not the hard, not the, like not the boulders. The boulders are also great. Um, but the, but like the boulders kind of are locking top. Yeah. These are the flip locking top, but they have a little divider in there. So you can separate your main deck from your sideboard. Oh yeah. Uh, a, I have lo- my... a lot of them actually will come with those yeah. little divider. So I have my storm deck in the, Steam Vents Arted Ultra Pro 100 Count Deck Box. Um, That's nice. It's on theme, so... Very much uh, on point. It it fits perfectly. I can actually put uh, my my first two fingers into it and still have a lot of space for the deck. Um, And it's secure. It doesn't randomly fly open at times. Um, And Prof will do... Does way more uh, in-depth stress tests on these. (laughs) Shake tests. Uh, Yeah, the shake tests, basically. Uh, but the ultimate the, the ultimate guard one that I have I have another modern deck in it and it's perfectly fine. Um, I have used um, like I said for my commander decks I tend to use like the fat I or I used to use the uh, deck builder toolkit boxes because those are really great for storing cards and like I said they store like three commander decks pretty snugly um, so that way you can always have a selection when you go to play. 
but I've also used the Dex, the Dex deck boxes uh, when I've gotten them. I've not been the greatest. They're getting better, but I, have, I wouldn't have one of the gen, like one of their first gen kind of flip yeah. tops with the magnets and the magnets are not great at all. Yeah, I had I had my storm deck in that for a while and it was always awkward trying to put it in and take it out. Um, but like I said, I like I like the ultimate guard hundred count and the new ultra pro hundred counts because they're functionally identical. I personally, um, I, yeah, I personally love right now my wormwood deck box. That's my main one that I use for my infect deck. I have two one hundred count ultimate guard sidewinders. Yeah, which are really nice. Those are ones that kind of have really strong magnets and they flip up and all the way over and they actually have a nice little like felted part. You can actually put your deck on there if you don't want to put it on a table. It's yeah. got notches on both sides. You can pinch the deck and pull it out. Um, I have a couple 80 ones for popper decks as well as those. I have a mishmash of everything from like the old school Ultimate Guard monolith with a little like uh, like the 100 card hard plastic thing with an actual like tray on the bottom. There's the Ultimate Guard flipping tray. Those are very popular for commander players because you can fit like 200 card decks and have a tray for dice in there. Yeah, I have a few Legion Supply Velcro deck boxes that have like kind of a flip front. They, the flap just kind of flips over the front, but it's Velcroed secure. The Ultimate Guard ones, or the Ultra, Ultra, Ultra Pro ones that are just kind of like the wedge tops. I have two Ultra Pro, I guess they're called, I don't know, it's the dual-sided deck ones that kind of, Velcro oh, that's, open. That, that kind of accord, kind of like spread out. Yeah, I have one of those too. I had my uh, standard deck in it for a while. Yeah, I've got one that's uh that came out when Modern Masters 2013 came out. So it's got the Modern Masters uh, City of Brass art on it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I've got one that's plain. And yeah, yeah, I've got a bunch of and I got like a pro like the hundred count janky Ultimate Pro ones. I have the the dual deck dual deck boxes. For yeah. uh, Elspeth vs. Kiora, and it has those ducks in there, which is kind of fitting. Now, uh, kind of, kind of rotating back to the um, to the uh, boulder, the the Ultimate Guard boulders. They are very, very secure. I saw one of my friends, Danny, who is not a small dude, uh, stand on it and jump on it, and nothing happened to the deck box. Dang it! It was it was secure, um, and. They are great. I like them. Uh, they come in eighty and hundred. And if you want, if you want to have the security, knowing that um, regardless of what happens to your deck box, your your deck's going to be protected. That's what I would go with. Um, yeah, they are a little pricier, of course, but the boulders I are like you can't, ten you, bucks for the eighty ones. Yeah, they, they they're not. It, it all, it's, again all up to personal preference and what no. you want to get Correct. out of your deck box. And briefly, we're going to touch on play mats. They are mat tubes. There's a couple different ones. I know. I use this old monster protection, like kind of weird triangular, rounded shaped tube. I have one of those too. They're actually really good. Yeah, because they don't because they actually leave a little bit of space for the thing to actually slide out and have some airspace. I know Ultimate Guard has made some that actually like have a like a locking clip on the top of it. Like Ultimate Guard has a playmat to has a playmat protector that is very similar to their deck box protector, and I think they have a combination one where you can put like five deck. Five of their boulders and a playmat. Yeah, and they have like a yeah, they have a sidewinder one for that. There's also like a hard tube. There's a Ultimate whole bunch. Ultimate Guard is really good at having all of their stuff work together. Oh, that is one huge benefit to Ultimate Guard. Yeah. If you want, if you want to just Ultimate Guard your entire collection out, all your stuff will be interchanged. That's a great. Yeah, that is a great thing, suggestion. Like I know the I think it's called their arc. Yes, the arc cube case. Yeah, that fit. You can fit a bunch of the sidewinders in there or the flipping trays. It's cool. Again, look into that. Professor's got a lot of videos on that. We're going to move on, though, to binders because, John, you mentioned this. We need to get through these quickly to get the boxes yeah. and stuff, too. So uh, the binders that I use, um, when I first started using my LGS was carrying the BCW 4-wide with these zippers. Um, they, they have a zipper that shuts them so that your cards won't go flying everywhere. And I like the 4-wides because it shows you your play sets of your rares uh, or your uncommons or whatever it is that you want to store in the binder. Um, and that way you know, hey, I have my playset of citywide busts, so I can probably not worry about trying to acquire any of those anytime soon. Yeah, and um, another thing that's nice with those too is one thing that kind of became standard over the last couple of years is side loading on yes. these things because it used to be top load. So if you would 
turn your card binder upside down, your cards would just slide out of your thing. This, you have to kind of like really work it to one direction, work it another direction, and they kind of like help lock it in. Yeah. Instead of using the baseball card um, system where, you know, you get the little three ring binder folios, which are still good, um, and you slide it into the top, these are side loading. Uh, on the same line, uh, I didn't put this one down, you put this one down, but the four pocket two by two zip folios or flex folios, depending on um, which ones you've gotten, are also really good for uh, single play sets as well, all on one page. Yeah, I actually have that sitting right next to me right now. The, uh, I have the four pocket zip folio from Ultimate Guard. I, we I keep mentioning the Ultimate Guard. They're just a really good company. Yeah. No, I have the Ultimate Guard flex folio, and uh, I got the red one because red is one of my favorite colors. And I actually wrote on it in Sharpie, and it actually held the ink pretty well. Yeah, that's that's one uh, thing. Is some, of these don't, some of these don't really hold ink very well. Mine, you no. couldn't see it because it's a black of their, like, yeah. Zeos. Uh, but I have, I have a Storm Binder, <laughs> which is my binder of all my possible Storm sideboard cards. Now, see, so John keeps... Page one is Apostle's Blessing. Page two is Anticipate yeah. and Charter Course. Now, see, you keep... Followed you, by Echoing Truth and Giga Drows. You get the Yeah, point. you keep all of your cyborg cards in now they're also sleeved in here yeah but i'm saying you, but you um, keep that you keep your possible your maybe board stuff in a binder i just keep mine in yeah. a designated deck box yeah and then again that's up to personal preference yeah well i, I know i'm just highlighting the fact that you keep yours there i keep mine there again that's just because yeah. it's easier for me to do that um one thing i mentioned like i have in our show notes with the, the four pocket thing for the lands i usually use this zip folio for my land cards fetches the uh shocks rare uh rare land sets and stuff like that mainly the fetch lands for sure i have them alphabetized and every slot that's empty i just stick a paper and put like for instance my bloodstained mires are all gone but i have a slip of paper in it this is b-stained mire x4 grixis death shadow so i know exactly what deck all those in and if like my flooded strand has one missing i know for a fact that that other flooded strand is sitting right now on my uh, Jeskai Highlander deck because I have a little slip yep. of paper that tells me, hey, it's in this. I'm terrible with knowing where certain cards are. I'll freak out because sometimes I, when I've moved them out of binders, I put them into that one giant fat pack and I'm just like, oh my God, which fat pack is it in? So I have to like flip through them and yeah, no. Organization-wise, yeah. I'm getting there. Uh, that is definitely one thing where it's, hey, for cards that I'm just going to potentially play with, I will put them in something like that. If they're just potentially I'm going to sell and maybe trade off, they're going to go into a, hey, this is just my giant fat pack of, you know, stuff to look at buy lists for. Yep. But binder-wise, I also have a, a quad row of the Zipfolio as well from Ultimate Guard that I'm going to use to actually replace some old Deck Tutor for... 2.0 that were like one of the first ones that popularized the four across row but they're about four years old five years old at this point and they're cracking on the pages so some of the pages are actually starting to rip out yeah. they've seen some they've seen some use over the years but again i would see if you can go to your game store and if they keep them in stock definitely like get some hands-on they'll just go buy them blind on the internet because you might it might look good to you but you go buy it, you buy it, you get it, and you're like, ah, this is not really the greatest thing. So always, I love your local game stores because try before you buy is a great kind of, just get your hands on the product. Yeah. And that's what sold me initially when I, when my store, my local game store was carrying the BCW binders, just like seeing one and, ha and feel, feeling it in my hands, like this feels right. Um, yeah. Like, again, it's, it's, we, we say, we've said it so many times now, personal preference, just finding what works best for you. But we're kind of guiding you into, hey, this is how I store my stuff. This is how John stores his stuff. Like sorting-wise, like I keep try to keep my play sets together as best as I yeah. can when I'm not playing with them. Yeah. Uh, moving on to boxes. So you mentioned Which, you have a thousand count boxes and stuff like that. Yeah. Now these are this is distinct from deck boxes because deck boxes are currently are like holding decks, right? Yes. Boxes is just holding your bulk so uh i if i look into my closet so, right so now these, I will so see... for those listen, so listening these are going to be your the quote-unquote white box yeah. that you you're like they come in very different different like shapes sizes whatever but these are your like white corrugated cardboard boxes we're talking about at yeah. this point bcw carries them a bunch of other retailers make them as well um bcw is just popular because always... it's easy to they you can buy them yeah. in bulk easily from them 
Um, so I have in uh, BC, I have thousand count boxes for my single set commons or uncommons. Uh, right now I have them for Hour of Devastation, uh, Shadows of Innistrad, and Guilds of Ravnica. I have a I think it's like a three thousand count box for all my commons and uncommons from Kaladesh because I opened a bunch of Kaladesh. Um, and then I have a I think it's like a eight or ten thousand count box. I'm not sure. Uh, which has the bulk of my collection in it. And that is where I have it sorted by colorless, white, blue, black, red, green, uh, multicolor as well. Um, and just, they're, and they're just in there. And I have dividers so I can find them easily, um, sorted just alphabetically by name. So, like, the first card that comes up when I look in there is Ether Spellbomb. Um, and then I can find Emrakul, The Promised End. I can find, uh, Eldrazi Mimic. I can find, uh, uh, what's the oh, what is the name of the artifact for three mana from Journey into Nyx? Hall of Triumph. Um, that was a wild. That was a wild ride. Um, and just whatever I need. So like when I had to, I had to go back in there recently to find Goblin Electromancers. I had to go back in there to find Serum Visions. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I have a playset of Electromancers now just from playing. <laughs> yeah, guilds. Yep. So and then I have another smaller box that's I think like a. Like a one, it's like a 2K box, I want to say, that I have labeled as Commander Playables, where I can just grab, I just have my Commander Playables sorted in the same way, colorless, white, blue, black, red, green, gold, uh, with a a small section for lands, where it's like, hey, these are my cards that are, I know are Commander Playable or good in Commander, so let me, if I want to, if I feel the need to brew, I can just pick a a card, pick a legendary from it, and figure out what I want to do. Now, that's actually a really nice point that I want to kind of transition to just briefly, or talk about is that there are some professional players who actually have like their standard boxes where literally they just get like whatever card is playable and standard they'll literally just throw it into like the like for instance bcw sells one called a shoe storage box it's a two row that stores like 1600 cards in it you can just like chunk all your play sets of your standard playable cards into this box go to a tournament and then like the night before be like uh this deck's good pull all the cards you need out sleeve them up that's why you but they might not have every single card there might be that weird niche uh like uncommon that they're going to try out and that's why you might see the pros tweeting like hey does anybody have four of this weird common from a set two sets ago because they're like i Uh, I just don't have that in my standard playable box i've been watching a lot of versus series lately and todd uh todd anderson not Todd Stevens, Todd Anderson, mentioned how he had a teamer box because he really loves the teamer color combination. And he and he was talking about limit, limiting how about teamer is not that good in modern. But it's like, I got the teamer box. I can always, you know, build a teamer deck from it. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of thing like that. So for me, I know John had all that kind of stuff. For me, I have, well, actually I actually put this in the notes, but I have a holiday gift box that they sell. Yeah. Um, it's from Theros and it's kind of beat up and I need to replace it because the side split because I dropped it and the cardboard broke, which is something that has been covered in reviews. Don't need to talk about more, but I have four. Yeah. Four of the, the of what BCW labels as their monster storage box. Uh, it has a deeper thing. So there's a little bit of space above the card from where the lid closes on it. The lid does not go all the way down the side of the box. It's halfway down the side of the box and it's a four row that holds, they say 3,200 count standard size trading cards, but collectible gaming cards which magic ones are they're a little thinner than baseball cards and stuff like that it'll hold 4500 i have four of them that i'm meaning to transition over to a different storage set that bcw also sells called the card house which is just a bunch of their 800 card uh white long boxes in a three by four grid pattern that I'll be able to like label like a set will go into one of these 800 card boxes and be able to put in there. Um, I need to go through all of my cards personally coming up and sort them out into, I I personally want to keep for a play set of as many commons and uncommons as I own. And then anything extra is going in bulk to sell or give away. That's my upcoming plan for when I go through sorting all my stuff. When I do that, I want to then possibly get one of those long box things where I can be like, okay, this card is from this set pull out that set whatever i might have like one or two they're just like random modern ones because i only you know a lot of i might have some random modern cards from days past that don't really wouldn't never fill up an 800 card box um yeah maybe a bunch of the modern masters sets and all that kind of stuff maybe sort of by block i don't know The, the plan is is that once i get 
all that stuff sorted out. I'm going to then assess what I have, how much per set. Then I'm going to go look at, okay, which storage is best for me at that point. Right now with just this incidental storage, I also have seven, like, like 10 or so of the old fat pack boxes. The bundle. Oh, the yeah, those are also really magic good. bundle boxes. Very modular. Yeah, very modular. Some of the more recent ones have come with the little kind of like insert that you can remove that is can basically hold like a deck. So you can kind of sort like split up your storage space inside the box as well. Mm -hmm. uh, two of those little inserts will fit inside one of the boxes. I think they hold like about 100 or so cards. I don't mm -hmm. know. But anyway, you can. Those fab pad boxes, I know people love them. They love to have like one of every set that they've played in while they've been oh, yeah. I, I almost always buy one just because i think they look rad yeah so that's it's another great way to just get they're very good storage um there's again it's your personal preference but the wide majority of players will do something similar to these long boxes uh be it 600 800 count the multi four row boxes for their the bulk of their stuff uh some people will sort like you the the card house things you might see at your game store where that that's how they store it. Like I honestly think, hey, if it's good for a, a card store, how they store a bunch of their cards, like that's the kind of you know storage options that I'd yeah. be looking at getting. Yeah. But we also have one other thing that is a very rare. John put it big pimpin because it I mean, is it's true. It's this is if you really have a lot of cards. Looking at you, cube players, John. <laughs> Um, I mean, okay. Hey, I store my cube in the MTG cube box, which they recently did a second second print run of, which is a it's a fine box. But uh, no, this is one that this I've is, seen. This is if you have a large collection. Also, probably if you are planning on staying in the same place for a long time. Yes, I would not recommend this if you are uh, intending to be mobile or moving around a lot. Cough myself. Cough. Um, cough. <laughs> AKA but military. It is a, Go to a library and ask if they have any old card catalog uh, cases that they're not using anymore. Yeah, because well, this one will pop up every once in a while. Mike Lineman, friend of the friend of the show, Forthos Mike, will oftentimes you'll you'll see him retweeting people who get these and refurbish them and you know, like re re um what's the word I'm looking for? Renovate. Yeah, re renovate those and use those as card storage because. Magic cards are a little smaller than your library card catalog cards would be. And you can just put them in there and there's different drawers and you can put little labels in the drawers and be like, this is black cards, A through A through D or whatever. And it looks really neat, looks really, really cool. Um, it will. It is not cheap, No, but and it is something that will absolutely categorize your cards for you and will also um, just, it is just something that's really, really cool to see. Yeah. Uh I know for a fact that even as close back as five to 10 years ago, you could get them cheap, like really yeah. like not that expensive. But nowadays to get a couple thousand count, even like a smaller one, like that might have like a 10,000 count card catalog or something crazy like that. I'm probably undershooting here, but even something like that small is going to run you a couple hundred dollars and they're solid and a lot of them are some of the older libraries have like nice solid wood construction like really heavy wood it's gonna be heavy which is why we don't recommend moving with it um card yeah. catalogs again have gone to digital which you don't see a whole lot of the flip, flip 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 it's a thing of days gone by so they're companies that make card catalogs really basically don't exist anymore yeah so i mean if you are fancy and can or a woodworker you can make your own yeah however it's going to be a bit of work but kind of ending it there with that as a way to store it we'll just go give a quick little wrap up so it's really personal preference um honestly i you said make no one makes a distinction between storing cards for deck building or collection and stuff like that and selling honestly store it by that if you want to have your deck buildable, your deck playables in one area, so you can just flip through your playables, have your bulk in another area, have a potential sell box like I do for your rares and pricey uncommons. I have, a, like I said, I have a fat pack that is specifically set aside and labeled with a slip of paper and tape over it that this is the you know the the sell, two possibly sell rares. That's how I do that. I set my I sort my cards by 
commonality in a set by collector number. Uh, I leave my pricing uncommons, anything usually over $3, sometimes 4 when it comes to uncommons. Basically anything that like if I had to go out and get a playset of, it would set me back $10, $15 or more, I will most likely sleeve them up if a playset would cost me 15 bucks or more. Yeah, that's that's just me personally. So I know that's just my quick little wrap up on this. I know we expounded upon that greatly, but it's really yeah. going to be up to you and how you want to get your collection off the ground. And as a final recap, no one is paying us to say these things about these. Products. Oh, yeah. These are our personal opinions and experiences with the products that we have. Used. Yeah, the major companies are going to be BCW for your cardboard storage uh, solutions. Ultimate Guard makes some great binders. So does uh, what's the one you use again? Uh, Dex binders. Yeah, and the other one, BC. Uh, you said BCW, yeah, BCW makes binders too. Yeah. 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 So BCW. Uh, again, deck boxes are gonna be anything from Ultimate Guard to Ultra Pro. Those are the two big ones. Legion Supplies, if you like the little Velcro fronts, because mm-hmm. those are, they're basically ones that still do the Velcro fronts like that usually. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, you can even use. I know some people who used to have modern decks in the old, uh, in pre-release boxes of Days Gone By, like the yep. ones for uh, Battle for Zendikar. Those were really nice ones, actually. Yes, they were. So I've, they, I have actually stuck together a long. I have time. seen people at modern tournaments a year or two later after that set still using them as their deck box. I'm like, <laughs> I like your style. That's dedication. It's frugal, and I like it. Yeah, but yeah, there's really. I can't really speak more highly of the professor as well for keeping up to date on reviews of these things. So if you want to figure out, okay, this is how I might want to store it. Let me go look and see if professor's done a review on this binder or has he, he hasn't really done any reviews on like the white long boxes because it's just, it's it's cardboard. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. It's exactly what you think it is. Yeah. It's literally the box that, it's flat pack when you get it, but it's the box you build. It's fine. Yep. Uh, so really just store it how you want to. But honestly, like I said, personally, I cannot recommend if you can, I can't recommend enough just buying in bulk when you can, when it comes to sleeves, if you want to store stuff with perfect fits, Yeah. always go get like the five or five pack of hundred, like the five, 100 packs that, you can buy on Amazon for like 20 bucks or something like that. Yep. I mean, those will you like, I, I know I said Amazon, and Oh God, but usually it, I found it be cheaper because sometimes the online stores are actually game stores selling through Amazon as a storefront. So you can actually yep. get it for cheaper and it comes or with prime shipping support, or support your local yeah. game store. If they have the product, support you your want. local game store. Cause honestly, yep. I've actually, I do want to give a warning though. I looked at the reviews for the, Dragon Shield, uh, perfect fit. The uh, the smoked ones, like you mentioned, John. Yeah. There was an issue where some of the third party sellers that were selling through Amazon were selling stuff that wasn't potentially legit Dragon Shield Ooh. product. Ooh. Yeah. So like, yeah, this didn't feel like the other Dragon Shields that I got, and then I realized that the packaging was a little bit different, so they were counterfeit sleeves, which is crazy when you think about it. But sure, okay. So yeah, support your local game store unless you know for a fact that it's you know. Just if the deal is too good to pass up, go for it. Yeah. But other than that, anyways, that's a pretty good wrap up. Um, yeah, I think that. Does I it. thank you, I, Corey, for the question. Yeah, if you, I know we say this all the time, but seriously, if you guys have questions like this, and you want to hear John and my opinion on it, seriously, fire off a question to us. We love to answer this. Like, I I personally love viewer answered question episodes of other things. This is our first one, really, of this sort. Outside of like mailbag yeah. episodes, but this is like one question, hammer down on a topic, do it. If there's something you want John and I to talk about, if there's something you want to hear us talk about, please let us know. Like, as you can see, yeah. literally the, our listener wrote us a week ago and we're like, we're doing this episode because it was a great topic I wanted to cover. Exactly. And if people wanted to do that in other ways, Ian, where could they do You something? guys can find me on social media at Twitch. Or at, well, I stream on twitch.tv slash dicks. That's D-I-X. And you guys can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ, D-I-X-O-N-I-J. And yeah, I tweet about a whole bunch of stuff. So it's whiplash. John, where can they find you? 
You can also find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That is jwiley129. You can also find me on Twitch at the same handle. If you want to, if you see me in the chat room, don't hesitate to say hi. If you want to keep sending those questions our way, you can do so in one of two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter at Eyes in the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesinthemize at gmail.com. As always, we'd love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.